0: Hey, everybody, brand new podcast. Uh, I, I wonder how many of those I've started. I wonder how many podcasts I've started off by saying that. Hey, everybody, brand new podcast. Hey, everybody. I've lost the intimacy of these intros. I feel with promo shit. We got a couple of mid-roll reads. This is just an intro read. Obviously, Hot Summer Nights Tour starts off next, uh, next Wednesday on the 7th in Salt Lake City. I think we've added a show in Salt Lake City. Grand Junction, Colorado. Colorado Springs on the 9th. A couple days off, by the way. Columbus uh day, I will be in Prescott, Arizona on the 12th. I think we've added a show there. I think we've added a show to almost all of them. On the 13th of October, I will be in Santa Fe, New Mexico. That is not what's important. What's important is my show, The Cabin, will be streaming on Netflix. My show, The Cabin, where I take a bunch of my comedian friends and some celebrities, i.e. Caitlin Jenner. Um, I take them up to the cabin and we have a good time. It's a good show. I think you're gonna like it. It's pretty aggressive. It's it's just, it, it it's pretty aggressive. <laughs> so, uh I check it out. I think you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna really like it. If you like if you like these podcasts and if you like my friends and if you like comedy, you gotta say you like comedy. If you're a if you're a, a kind of a on the fence person about getting offended in comedy, do not tune into this. I've had nightmares about this show. It's really good. I think you're going to fucking love it. And if you don't, just don't say anything. Just if you're upset by something that happens in the show, just fucking don't. Just don't. Just fucking keep it to yourself. The fuck does everyone got to share their opinion about everything these days? (laughs) The Cabin is on October 13th on Netflix. Uh, that's still a full fucking two weeks away. I don't even know why I'm telling you. I'm just telling you two bears, one cave live event, October 15th, by the way, (laughs) if you took that, that warning about the cabin to heart, definitely take it to fucking soul for the 15th live event. We are going to all, but try to get ourselves canceled. I I'm talking to Tom. I had a dream about, let me just, I'll just, I'm going to just ballpark what what we're talking about. I had a dream last night that Tom and I had butt plugs inserted into our asses at our live event. And we were laughing hysterically at what a great idea it was. I had a dream about that. That's just so you know. Two Bears, One Cave live event. uh, I'm sure there's like info on my Instagram or on my Twitter. You can find it two bears one cave live event on the 15th on the 16th i'm in houston texas san antonio on the 17th fort worth texas on the 18th oh god we got slippers (laughs) i have so much shit i have so much shit to promote is i'm like turned into a promotion machine by the way my flip-flops the dylan's are going to be on sale on Zappos on the 5th of October. Just if you never got a pair and you wanted to get a pair, go to, the, go to Zappos. Uh, we're going to do a, a small batch release there. And then we have a new house slipper that my wife and I absolutely love. They're the best house slippers. I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this. Those will be coming available uh, for pre-order, I think. God damn it, man. I sometimes wonder to myself, uh, when, this, when this business shifted to a business, like, I, I spent so much time wasting my life. Like, it wasn't wasting my life. I think it was preparing myself for for my specials, you know? And preparing myself for what I do, is which is stand-up comedy. I spent so much time in the comedy clubs. Just that's all I gave a fuck about. And then all of a sudden, you get to this place where you're like, you're doing TV shows, you're doing movies, you're doing... You, you're coming up with products. You want to move products. You find a, a company that you, you're into and they think that, you know, you can help them. And so you 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 say, let's do some flip-flops and then you got a flip-flop. And then all of a sudden it's like, then one day you're, you're laying in bed and you got all these things going on in your head. What I do most is stand-up comedy. So see me live. And what I do second to, m- well, by the way, I would argue what I do most now is podcasts. So check out Two Bears, One Cave, the live events on the 15th, New episodes every Monday. Uh, Bill Burt is a podcast I do with Bill Burr, if you don't know. uh, New episodes drop every Monday-ish. We drop a new one every week. That's all I can say. Bill is extremely busy. I'm pretty busy. Um, And that's it. Let's just – my wife and I are going to watch the debates tonight. I wonder if I should open a bottle of wine. I haven't drank in like three weeks, so I feel like I should keep it going and feel good. But you know, I got to be honest with you, I sleep better with a a glass, a couple glasses of wine to me. I actually do sleep better. I know you're going to be like, hold on, Bert. That's not possible. Maybe I'm fucking diabetic. I have no idea. Are you doing sober October? Are we doing sober October? Great question, considering that is in two days. It's a great question, Halston. Are we doing sober October? I mean, I'm tapering down at the moment. I might as well punch back up. I will tell you this. I have an opportunity to drink with Steve Austin on the 30th. Is it the 30th? And I am taking that opportunity. So I'm drinking with Steve Austin, Austin tomorrow. I can't fucking wait. I've been wanting to have a beer with that man. My whole adult life. The first time I ever saw him in those black trunks fucking, or maybe jeans. maybe he was wearing jeans and he crushed a beer. I went, I remember seeing that and going, that's my fucking brand. And I'm not a wrestling guy. I've always said this. Cody and Ro- Cody Rhodes and I just did a show in Macon, Georgia. And I've always said I always said that because I don't want to disrespect guys who re- literally love wrestling. I don't want to be like, "Oh, I'm a big wrestling fan." And then they're like, "Really?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, I don't know anything about any of the names." But I know, but I did watch it once. I'm legit a legit wrestling fan. Like I I must have watched a lot more wrestling. Same with football. I always say I'm not a football fan. Like I I watch football every weekend. But I, I don't know it the way that like like, Segura or Burr knows football. Segura, if you talk football with Segura, he'll talk about a 5-3 a, 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 a defense or a 3-5. Like, he talks about defenses and strategies. And, like, he knows it. So does Burr. I don't. I watch it. I enjoy it. Same with wrestling. What, how do we get on this fucking tangent? I'll tell you what I do know about is stand-up fucking comedy. I know about stand-up. I love stand-up comedy i really honestly love stand-up comedy i love i tell this t- t- on the podcast today uh, i have Polly shore it's a great fucking podcast it's a great podcast i told him about being in russia and my buddy john telling me a Poly shore joke with some russian gangsters in the room and he t- we translated it what i didn't tell him is that it killed I didn't get around to telling him it killed. And it's a funny fucking joke. Pauly Shore has a new movie out called The Guest House. It's available on Apple. Anywhere you're going to get movies, that's where you can get it. It's a great movie about a newlywed couple who finds their dream home and then finds out that the previous owner's friend is living in their guest house. And obviously the husband and Pauly, who is the squatter, become, is, is Pauly, Pauly is the squatter, right? He, uh, they become best friends and eventually leads to a turf war and then the marriage and the lives. And it's a fucking, I'm going to watch it with the girls, but it's got Billy Zane, it's got Steve-O, it's got Bobby Lee, it's got Eric Griffin, Lou Ferrigno, Chris Kattan. It's it's going to be a good one. Sam Macaroni is the director. What a fucking name. Anyway, Paulie's the guest on the podcast. I have been a fan of Paulie's. Paulie, if, if you're my age, you know Pauly Shore has been in your, in your biodome, in your sphere, your entire life, your entire life. When we all discovered Kennison, he was right on the heels of Kinnison. Um, I discovered Kinnison, I think, when I was in sixth grade on a ice skating trip, on a trip to an ice skating rink with Brian Callahan in the back of the thing. And I heard uh, lick the alphabet and I fucking was crying. I didn't even understand what the joke was. I didn't get it. Just the idea that they were talking about lick the alphabet. I fucking was crying. And then Pauly, all of a sudden, is on MTV. He's in *Son-in-Law*. He's in *Jury Duty*. In the Army now. Biodome, uh, *Encino Man*. I mean, Pauly Shore is someone whose whose career is just it, you. It's like it's like it, you you couldn't help but be a fan of Pauly Shores, and 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 obviously you know as as becoming comedian, you know the the lore of the Shore family and the Comedy Store. And it means a great deal to me. I, anything, you know, the comedy store, I don't need to go into detail. It means a great deal to me. It's something I always wanted to be a part of. I ended up getting to be a part of a, a later in life. And I think when I was like 40 or 42 or something. And, uh, and, I, and I really cherish the experiences that I've had there and the friends I've had working there and, and all of it. And his mom is solely responsible for that experience in my life. So for that, I am forever grateful. Um, the fact that he's someone I've been a fan of my entire uh since adolescence is not lost on me. And then getting an opportunity to sit and talk to him about what it was like to be on MTV, what it was like to to do movies and 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 when the movies stopped and what he started doing after that, to talk about his mom, where he gets a tad bit emotional and, and really is, you know, heartbreaking. As you realize, you know, for a lot of us, you, you just move on and you think it's a new time in your life and you forget. That was his mom, you know, like for us, you're like, wow, um, Mitzi's gone. New management comes in. That's what you think. You, you don't you don't realize that, yeah, that was also his mom, you know. It's a great fucking interview. It's a great, great, great podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy, uh, I hope you're enjoying life, staying safe. I love you with all my heart, uh, and I will see you on the road body sh- i keep saying body shots world tour i had that so branded in my in my head hot summer nights tour is leaving on the 7th i will see you out on the road ladies and gentlemen without further ado paulie shore This is paulie
1: where where are you are you in vegas I can't tell you, dude. Un- undisclosed location. I'm I might be in fucking Afghanistan, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I'm very fucking secretive, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you're not so secretive. You're either in your cave or you're like at a drive-thru, right?
0: Yeah. I talked to I talked to Mark Marion the other day and he goes, shouldn't you be playing a meadow somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I'm going out. I leave uh, Monday for another drive-in theater tour. Well, you're the king of those, right? Uh, no, well, no. I, I think uh, I think no. I, there's a bunch of people are doing them. I think Bill's doing some now. Oh wow, really? And I think everyone's doing them now. But uh, I was the first one to jump on them quick. But yeah. I, I I just I get I can't I get I'm like you because I I think we're very similar. I, if I stay stagnant, I start feeling depressed. And so I want to move and do stuff. And I, I feel like you're like that. When I, How many movies have you produced yourself and shot? Yeah, I can't stop. I just keep going. Yeah, I remember, I, remember yeah. I was leaving South Africa when you had just shot and wrapped your movie about adopting a kid in South Africa.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's like it's... I guess it's one of those things that, um, you know, we... Uh, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, we're hiding from from our sadness or some shit or, you know, or we're, you know, trying to keep busy to pretend to not deal with the shit that's really going on, you know, or it's a combination of both. We just love to kind of make people happy and, and keep producing stuff. It's what we do. You know, I just, uh, I can't stop. It's almost like a tattoo. You know, I just keep doing stuff. If one door closes, I go in another door. If this shit's, you know, like... You know what you should do. What I just did was the uh, I did a I did a baseball stadium this yeah. last weekend. It was fucking awesome, dude. You did it in the in the stadium. Yeah, they put they put the stage right at home plate. Oh wow, that sounds. And it great. was fucking awesome, and they just spread people out, and it was like, whoa, this. It wasn't the sound was good, and uh, uh, you know Brian Brian Heffron actually was funny. He called me. He's like, dude, you want to do. You want to do a softball or a baseball stadium? I'm like, I'm doing one tonight. It's like <laughs> so great. So yeah, I just like to keep busy,
0: you know. Yeah. What's uh? What? I mean, first of all, I, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the. You're the. You're one of the few people alive that has experienced fame in what is it? Three different decades. Mm. Like yeah. you, you experienced what it was like to be famous when fame was a, was a very viable thing. Like when I was, when you were famous, when I was in college or high school, college, that was when fame was like real, like Hmm. only like, only like 600 people got to be famous. And, (laughs) and you were one of the few that like got that card and it got that experience of like legit backstage access people losing their mind. I remember first time I ever met you, I kind of lost my shit because I remember the hardest, you're one of the few people that I can go, oh, that's the hardest I've ever laughed. You, Ellen, like before I got into comedy, you know, like where I was like, the hardest I've ever laughed is in uh, is in Son-in-Law, when you get punched and you fall down on the gr- ground crying. It was just the first time you'd ever seen anything like that in a movie. It was it was an honest reaction. It was how all of us would have reacted. And I, w- I remember being in the movie theater, watching it, crying, fucking laughing. Mm, mm. But I want to talk to you about that. I also want to talk... One of the fucking best interviews you've ever done is on Rogan. That's one of the best interviews I've ever seen on Rogan. One of the, without a fucking doubt. And I also want to talk to you about the future of obviously the store, but, uh, but let's start with that interview on Rogan. The, you were so unguarded on it. You were so honest and you said things that all of us think, but none of us say, Mm. like when you said, I did a movie with Adam Sandler and I got there and I wanted to be the guy that the movie was about Mm. everyone everyone that's so real
1: yeah yeah well it's um you know i i was starring in movies for so long and then it just got taken from me um you know they they stopped giving me movies so you know i took it personal as opposed to patting myself on the back and saying wow you didn't you did an awesome run like 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 go chill out for a while and so then that's when I did Pauly Shore is dead, <laughs> you know, and I started doing my own stuff and you know, I started kind of producing and directing my own stuff. That was over 20 years ago. And, um, and yeah, it's sad, you know, because like at the end of the day, you know, like I want to show up on the set I want to fuck with the wardrobe guy. I want to fuck with the hair and makeup person. I want to cook with the fucking, the, the craft service people. And, and I want to support and, you know, it's just, being on a movie is like a circus, you know, and they, they, they kicked me out of the circus and they stopped letting me come to the circus. So I was hurt, you know, because I just enjoy it so much. And when they take, they took that away from me, it was very sad. You know, it was very sad and it hurt me a lot. And I, I, I just, you know, I get sad, you know, I get, I'm not the type of person that can, you know, if I'm sad or, or depressed or whatever, I have to be that. I can't pretend I'm not.
0: You yeah, know, no, so, I,
1: so on yeah. Rogan, on Rogan, when he asked me about that, you know it is. It's think about it, like, you know, fuck Pauly sure, dude. Like, think about just some dude, like movies, MTV, albums, touring, you know, HBO specials, and then they just take it from you. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying they took it from me like, like they're assholes. It's just my movies and shit dried up and it wasn't as cool as it was and my, my, my stock went down and, and I just didn't know how to deal with it. And that's when I, I wrote Pauly Shore is Dead, which to me was my best movie. If you've ever seen that, that's fucking gnarly, dude. That's a fucking gnarly movie, dude. Like yeah. it's dark. And it's fucking funny, and it's, like, real as fuck. And um, and that, to me, was the second part of my career is, like, going, hey, you know what? You know, I, no one's going to
0: give me this shit. I got to go do it myself. You know what I mean? And well, yeah, um, you're, you're one of the first guys that I think that started kind of making your own shit before everyone – while everyone was still waiting for the studio system and and waiting for the network's, you were doing your own shit. Yeah. You were doing viral videos. I remember you doing in the Amarillo Comedy Club, doing that video where the redneck came up on stage and punched yeah. you. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. A bit hard as fuck. I that called was Kelly Moran. I called That's... Kelly Moran, and I was like, yeah, did he really get hit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then you saw the making of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right after. Yeah, that was um, – I think – You know what I did that? I did that right after uh, Michael Richards said, yes. the, said the N-word at the Laugh Factory. And obviously that wasn't funny, but to me, it was like, oh my God, like this went, this video went crazy. So I just kind of played on that. I wanted to make it like people in comedy clubs are losing their mind. So that's when I, I, I I came up with the video of me getting my ass kicked on stage and like, and like that was fucking Odessa, Texas, dude.
0: It was, dude. I I did that club, the Moran brothers. Did you know the Morans? I thought it was Rob. Rob was the promoter. Rob, right? I, I thought it was, wasn't it Amarillo?
1: No, it was, uh, no, it was, uh, uh Od- Odessa, Texas.
0: Oh shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, um,
0: <clears throat>
1: yeah. So yeah, it was me and George Lucas that started shooting HD before anyone. <laughs> so Paul Pauly dead was the first movie that was shot on HD. And I think he did HD with star Wars, <clears throat> but I was on the cover of like an HD magazine, like Pauly Shore shooting his movie in HD. And that was 16 by nine. And it was like so beautiful. The footage was so gorgeous. And um, and yeah, that was kind of it, you know, and 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 you know, so that's why I think I'm able to kind of like make stuff from scratch now because I've done it so many
0: times and you know. Yeah, what was so so put me back on track because I remember I remember uh Encino Man, Jury Duty and Biodome were all movies I saw in the in the movie theater did was biodome was biodome the one that you felt got you off track
1: well it's really about the box office i mean that's what really this world is about i mean you know what did your movie do at the box office back then and biodome just didn't perform you know it did like i don't know 20 million or something like that and that was it and that wasn't like a good that wasn't good for back then i mean but now obviously 20 years later it's made millions of dollars. Millions. I mean that's a, yes. who,
0: that's a fucking you know what's crazy is I talked to uh, I talked to Binder, Mike Binder the other day and he was saying that the movie that threw him off was Blank Man. I was like, "Dude, I saw mm. that in the movie theater. Like I that movie made me cry laughing. Just like Biodome, just like Jury Duty. Like all those movies were movies we all saw, but for whatever reason the studio system thought they were not successful. Well,
1: they weren't financially, financially at the time they weren't. But again, like I just said, 20 years later, you know, because of the digital world and because of, you know, Amazon and Netflix, there's a a whole world for these films. And then even on DVD and VHS, you know, it's, it just, it it catches fire. So when I'm on tour, the two movies that people seem to love the most are A Son-in-Law and then also Biodome. Biodome is like a huge hit for me. Oh. like a huge, huge hit for me. And, um, and I watched it on the quarantine because sometimes I'm like, why do people like this so much? Cause I don't understand it. You know, I'm like, is it that funny? And then, you know, cause people go crazy for it. They're like they see me a biodome. I'm like, you know, and I watched it and I'm like, shit, this is pretty funny. Like, this is good, dude. Like we were leaning, we were leaning into being fucking knuckleheads big time, <laughs> big time. Because that's what I said to myself, you know, as an actor, you always kind of say, you tell yourself how you're going to fucking be in a certain role. There's so much to preparing for a film. And I said, I said, I want to be like Beavis and Butthead, you know, like me and Steven, I want to be eating, eating his farts and, and just kind of like being so obnoxious and so over the top that it's just crazy. And, and at the time it was like, oh, that's so that's so stupid but now it's like especially with quarantine people are like oh my god that's so awesome yeah you know and um so yeah so it was pretty cool
0: what movie did you feel like during that time got offered to you that you passed on that you wished you had done
1: Forrest Gump
0: <laughs> no uh
1: I don't know uh shit Bill and Ted's actually Bill and Ted's um, Bill and Ted's was, uh, was my first audition ever. So if you go online and you Google Polly Shore auditions for Bill and Ted's, they actually just released cause Bill and Ted just came out. They just released the, um, my audition. So I'm like auditioning with, with Alex Winters, which I remember. And I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I am Bill and Ted. Like, like oh, yeah. if you watch it and you could tell Keanu's acting as Bill. I was the fucking guy. But the only reason why I didn't get it because Keanu was hot off a of River's Edge and he had done some really, and Keanu was awesome, awesome actor. And he'd done some really fucking cool films in the studios. I think it was Orion Pictures at the time. They were like, we're going with Keanu. But then that was the thing that took my career into like the stratosphere, into MTV and all that shit. But Bill and Ted's was like, I really wanted it. And I got it all the way to the end. It was my first audition ever. And um, because it was perfect for me. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know? Um, And then what other ones? Fuck, dude. I don't know, man. I think some fucking, like, David Arquette movies, probably. He (laughs) He took some roles from me. Oh, shit. I remember auditioning for Francis Ford Coppola back when auditions were so dope, dude. Like, you have to understand, dude, when I first started acting, it was me, Brad Pitt, David Arquette, Leonardo DiCaprio, fucking Johnny Depp. You know, all these fucking guys, like, it was so much fun, dude. You get an audition and you get the paper and you're like, you're going to audition for Scorsese. And I fucking, or wait, yeah, yeah, with Scorsese. He was doing some fucking movie. And, and, I, and he's right there in the corner and it's all dark. And it's like, there's Scorsese and shit, you know? And then, and I got 21 Jump Street. That was a really big deal for me because back then, 21 Jump Street was the coolest fucking show on Fox, Oh, yeah, if you got on fucking 21 Jump Street, you got to hang out with fucking Johnny Depp in Vancouver. And Richard Grieco. No, he was after. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Richard Grieco was way after because what happened was is Johnny Depp started getting really popular on 21 Jump Street. And, and, and he started wanting a lot more money because they were really milking him. And then Fox was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. We're going to get someone better looking and cooler. And they brought on Richard Grieco. And Johnny's like, whatever, dude. And then Richard Grieco lasted as fast as that Jesse Camp did, which was on fucking MTV. Ah. Remember that fucking guy? They tried, dude, they tried to bring in a new Pauly Shore. They tried to bring in a new poly Shore. They're like, oh, yeah. He's in like, No, dude, it's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, so, uh, but 21 Jump Street, St. Saying else, saying elsewhere, you know, it was like Hollywood was so awesome back there then because when you got an audition, it was, like, exciting. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, my God. Like, I used to listen to that fucking, that, uh, 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 remember, that, you know, that, that song by Peter Gabriel, Big Time? Yeah. I used to listen that in my Jeep before I'd go into the fucking audition, dude. And I'd psych myself up because, you know, I, I worship, you know, Sean Penn and, and all these guys. And I'm like in Hollywood. And I got an agent. I'm with Triad. Back when Triad was before William Morris, where they, before they merged. And I had my script. It said Triad on it. And it was just such an exciting time. I would say it was great. You know, it I was so much
0: fun. That's the Hollywood that I, I wish that I had gotten to see. Like I feel mm-hmm. like when I got here, it was a watered down version of that, where it was celebrity for celebrity's sake, as opposed to celebrity for like it seems like back then it was so intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe like now it's like now when you're at the store and so, and there's a celebrity there. I don't know, maybe that maybe I'm not celebrity isn't as important to me as it was then. But you'd hear like, oh, fucking Motley Crue came to the store, or or you could go down to this whatchamacallit, and everyone's partying down there. It's that seems so much sexier than how it is now.
1: Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well that's part of the reason why I moved out of LA. I mean, it's like I just didn't want to look at it anymore. It just reminded me of the LA reminds me of just like I don't want to say an ex-girlfriend, but fuck, dude. It's just like the Sunset Strip has no soul. You know, it's like there's no there's no heart in it. It's all gone. It's all these big fucking buildings and big billboards, and it's it, it is what it is. You got to change with the times. But what's crazy is as I grew up in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and I always thought the world would always be the seventies or eighties or nineties. Yeah. You know, and it's just not. You know what I mean? And now you gotta mind your fucking P's and Q's. You know, you gotta uh, you know, you gotta watch who you take a picture with, you know, and and it's just like it's a it's an angst. If you ever go to dinner with a bunch of people, there's like an angst in the air as opposed to what's up you know, it's like yeah. it's, it's that feeling, and it's and that's why we're all kind of quarantined too. It's not just because of the virus. But everyone's kind of scared of everyone. It's just fucked up, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's sad, you know, and, and maybe with the new election, you know, and maybe when Biden fucking becomes president, I don't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but I don't like Trump at all. Maybe <laughs> things will fucking just chill out and just fucking, you know, hopefully my thought and my feeling is, as we get a kumbaya, you know, he, Trump keeps talking about like America's number one. What about we're all number one? What about the whole world is number one? Like, we are, remember We Are the Worlds yeah. with Quincy Jones? Like, we're all one. Why can't people from China or Paris come to fucking L.A. or America and do great? Why do we have to push people away? I don't like that. I think we're all number one. I want to be able to f- fucking go to Amsterdam or fucking England or, or, you know, and feel like I'm proud to be an American. They're like, oh, my God, I love America. Like, that's how it used to be. Yeah. And, and, and that's why like right now it's just like, fuck dude. Well, they, they got him with his taxes. So maybe that's fucking something. I don't know, man. It's not his policies. It's him. I just don't, he's got too much. His energy is fucked, dude. You know Have what I mean? Ever met him? I met him. Yeah, of course I met him, but you know, he's playing the role. It's like, he's Darth Vader. It's like our fucking president is Darth Vader. It's like, I love watching him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I love, I love, I love him. I love watching him. But I just don't think he should be our president. I think what should happen, he should leave and he should start apprentice, you know, another apprentice or something and just let's watch him. But you know, or he should go on tour. Cause I'd pay for that. I think he's a great comic. <laughs> he's a gr- dude. He is a great, him and Chappelle are the two guys that I think can fucking just say anything and get anywhere. I would pay to see him in concert. Someone wrote, wrote his jokes.
0: Like, fuck dude. He's so wild, dude. He has, he has said some things where I like, where I remember we were in the, we were, uh, we were on tour. My cousin said, you know, he called, uh, what's his name's dad, the beat, the, the, a serial killer. And I was like, what? Like, I guess he was running against, I forget who it was, but he goes, yeah, his dad was the, uh, golden state killer. <laughs> he was a guy who's running against. And you are just like, what the fuck? It's amazing. It's amazing to me. It's amazing that it. Like I remember we were we were at the store at the election last year. <coughs> me oh, you Bill, mean in two thousand sixteen? Two thousand sixteen. Me, Bill, Joe, and Doug Stanhope and Marilyn Manson, and we were mm-hmm. we were watching it live. And I remember thinking, I can't believe. I I thought he was going to get elected because I because I just been to Ohio and I had made it. I had a jo- joke about Trump. And they booed it. And I went, hmm. oh, that's odd. Ohio's not the place you want them to boo that. And I so- think
1: you just need to tell the Trump supporter, it's very simple. We're all fucking wearing masks right now. Okay. That's not a good thing. Okay. So if we're all still wearing masks, and obviously he didn't manage this thing properly, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, dude, he could have knocked this out. If he would have knocked this shit out four months ago and really kind of owned it, then he would win like that, what I think. You think? I think he would have won like that if we, the economy was back and everything was kind of rolling. Yeah. But and Joe Biden's not running for president because he wants to be president. He's only running for president, so Donald Trump's not president. He's taking one for the team, basically. Where yeah. would you Weird know, he way to
0: spend your seventies, your eighties? Hey, you I know, would never want to do that.
1: Yeah, but you know what? He's been in the game for fifty years, and he just doesn't—he doesn't like what, what's going on, so. Again he's taking one for the and everyone's like, well he can't run the country he's too. oh well you know what once he wins he's just gonna tell all of Obama's people oh let's re- re-up this shit who's in he's already got all the people in place you know yeah. so I don't know I just don't like the angst that's in the air obviously all the all the cities are fucking being torn up and it's just bad you know it's one we're one world not not America and then fuck all you guys. I mean, I miss traveling to Europe. You've been to Europe? I've traveled the world four times.
0: Yeah, I know, bro. I mean, isn't it awesome? I fucking the, the It's when when you said uh, we're number one. I, my first initial thought was fucking Italy's pretty cool. Like I don't <laughs> know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them. I mean, they're they're my like they. I've been to Italy and been like saw a shooting yeah. star at a vineyard, and I thought this is wow. number one. There's wow. nothing prettier than being just outside Florence, up in those hills. Wow, it's. Italy's fucking amazing. And, yeah. those, and by the way, France is pretty fucking awesome. And so is, I love Scotland and Ireland. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. I mean, but we can't even go over there because Donald Trump fucked us.
0: Yeah, well, I think I, I, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this virus to be done. And, uh, and I'm trying to find a place to go with my kids for the election. Because the election's on my birthday. Oh, so wow. I've, I've doubled down. My birthday is November 3rd. So I doubled oh, wow. down. And I told my girls, I want to get a cabin, get out of LA in wow. case looting, rioting starts.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm pretty much have convinced myself that Joe Biden's going to win. Um, and, and not because of Donald Trump's policies. You know, it's just Donald Trump. I just don't think he's he should be there. Anymore. Dude, let me tell you something. If he wins again, dude, fuck, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen because he's not going to get impeached. They already tried that. No. And and he's gonna be in there for a while, dude. I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't trust. It's crazy just the volatility that's going on online. I put a poll up yesterday morning, right before I walked in to play tennis. I put a poll up. I said, Why wait on Twitter? Yeah. Biden or Trump? Let everyone vote. So I go to tennis, I come back an hour later, Biden's up 58%. Yeah. 58%. And I go, That's interesting. That gives you hope, right? I go back, I go home, I do some shit around noon, it's still 58%. At 2 o'clock, awesome. all of a sudden it shifts and Trump's up 58%. Not cool. then, it starts, then it starts skyrocketing. It ended with Trump up 72%. <laughs> so, So here's what happened, right? So I start getting unloaded from my liberal friends, like, these are your fans. These are your fans. And I was like, can't be my fans. Like I've been to my shows. I got Trump supporters, of course, but in my fans. But it's not like I'm in my head. I'm like they're pretty. I think it's down the line. What happened was the bots got a hold of my tweet. Wow. And it fed it to all the Trump supporters. Oh wow. And so here, I just I'll, I'm going to tell you the exact numbers, and you'll go shut the fuck up.
1: Oh, so like the TikTok people fucked with your stuff?
0: Yeah. So so. It had almost 2 million impressions. 2 million people saw that, right? Total engagement was half a million. Wow. But check this out. 54,000 people that saw that tweet went to my profile. Out of those 54,000, 37 people followed me. (laughs) So no one, like it was all, it had had, uh, 15,000 likes, 22,000 retweets. Wow. And a hundred and nine thousand votes. So it was literally all it was was Trump supporters retweeting it and getting Trump supporters to double down and vote on it, so that the, it was and, and and all the bots shifted it to the Trump supporters. It was. My, my, I had my social media guy go through it with me, and he was like, "Yes, it turns out that you know a bunch of it 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 it, it, it just took it away." And that's what's been going on. I don't know if you saw that Netflix documentary um, about uh, the mm. about social media, but they control they control everything. Mm. They control everything, and they shift whatever they want to make you angry to fucking public opinion. It's it's sad that 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 you can't just put a simple poll up on your Twitter without the Russian bots getting involved. You know.
1: Yeah, I think they they can control that, but they can't control what you're going to do when you walk in the box. No, they can't it's, control. They can't control what you're going to mail. So, you know, I think yeah. even I think even Trump supporters should should you know should really think about the way the world is right now. You know, all his people got thrown in prison. There's there's got to be some something's going on there. He doesn't pay his taxes. You know, they try to impeach him. You know, they cheated on the election. All these things. Are they just racist? Are these people just racist? Is that what this whole thing is about? Because if that's the case, that's terrible.
0: I don't think. I I mean, I I know I grew up in Florida, so the majority of my friends that I grew up with, when you go on their Instagram or their Twitter or their Facebook, they are all pro-Trump. The majority of my friends growing up are all pro-Trump. When you
1: say pro-Trump or pro-Republican? Pro-Trump.
0: So Pro they Trump. like, so They're they Republican, like, but they are pro-Trump.
1: So they like like all his stuff, the, 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 the antics that he says, the Mexicans
0: are rapists. He, they like all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I, all I know is I, I, mean, I see that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. he shouldn't well, put mean, that out there. No, I mean, I, you can't, it's, you know, it's guys you grew up with guys that I knew, like I have a different life obviously than you and that I have kids, dudes that I grew up with from like six years old, new through college that never left florida and so i don't know their politics all i know is that those trump parades when those in those boats my buddies are in those like they're in them and so i don't think they're racist i don't think they hate mexicans i don't think they i don't think they think i think personally i think a lot of the guys i know that are pro-trump like that he's sticking it to the democrats Mm. i think they like that he's like fuck you i mean you look at the billy bush shit billy Bush just sat in a a room with him and listened to him talk about sexually assaulting women. And Billy Bush got fired. The guy got fucking elected. That is so fucked up that Billy Bush got fired and Trump got elected, you know? And all Billy Bush said was, yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Funny. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think that's what they support. I don't know, man. I don't live in Florida anymore. The majority of my friends are all Democrats all voting for Biden. I'm, yeah, I'm both. I like both policies, and and when
1: Trump when Trump won, I was like, "Fuck it, he won. He's our president. Let's rock and roll." But then he started doing and saying all these things, and I don't know, man. You know,
0: I think I think guys like me and you, where we live, I think first of all, I'm cynical. Like when he won, I said the same thing. I was like, I was like, "You got to support our president." I think throughout his public, his 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 presidency there's times where I just do a double take and I'm like what the fuck is going on with this country I mean I don't like talking politics I feel like it like I feel like I'm bad at it and I don't know anything and for me to try to sit there and be like Chelsea Handler Amy Schumer who are or or who are pretty pretty educated I guess in what they're talking about or at least they're confident what they're talking about I'm simply not so I just don't know anything I just go Fuck it. All right. I mean, it's, it's also like, I don't know. I got into this. I got into this to just tell jokes, you know? And, and I, but
1: at at the end of the day you're a human being and you know, I'm a human being and, uh, and, uh, what he's, you know, I just look at it this way. It's very simple. The bottom line is if you own a company and your company is in mess, guess what? You're it's on your watch, whether it's your fault, not your fault it's your watch so the way i look at it the 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 the, the, these cities are being burned up all across america there's there's riots everywhere that's that's going on period right now and and we're all stuck in this thing with these masks we can't go fucking tour i live in las vegas dude you know how depressing that is you know how many there's 50 stages in las vegas David Copperfield, Carrot Top, fucking uh, all these people, they can't fucking go on stage. You know what I mean? Because of what's going on. And guess who's our president? Him. He's our president. So it's on his watch, whether it's his fault or not. It's just like 9-11 with George Bush. You know what I mean? It's like, was it his fault? I don't know, but it was on his watch. You know what I mean? So he's got to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's going to be tough you know, and, and, you know, and I like him. I just don't like him as our president. And then I won't want to say anything else. I like watching him. He's funny. I love, it's funny, dude. Cause I'll fucking be like, my friends will be like, watch this thing on Netflix, watch this thing on HBO. I'm like, awesome. And then like, I start to watch it five minutes later. I'm like, what's the fucking orange baboon doing? What's he saying right now? He's got to be saying some crazy shit. And then I go over to him and sure enough, He's like not wearing a mask. He could give a fuck. And I'm like, this is awesome. Great to watch. Great to watch. Anyways, no more politics. No more politics. We got the the, uh, presidential debate. When is this airing? Tonight. Oh, shit. It's airing on the debates. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Trump supporters out there listening... Let's just think about it. We're all wearing masks. He's our president. We got to get out of this so we could start loving each other and go on tour and tell jokes and going to restaurants and going to gyms and and you know and all that stuff. So
0: yeah, I, I agree. I w- I'm ready to get back to regular life. This podcast is brought to you by Policy Genius. September is National Life Insurance Awareness Month. But with everything going on right now, a lot of people aren't even aware if it's possible to buy life insurance life insurance at all. The good news is it's still easy to shop for life insurance now. And if you have loved ones, depending on your income, you probably should. Right now, you can save $1,500 or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for a decade or more, those savings really add up. What is Policy Genius? It's an insurance marketplace built and backed by a team of industry experts Here's how it works. Step one, you go to policygenius.com in minutes, literally minutes. You can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from the top insurance to insurers to find your best price. Step two, apply for the lowest price. Step three, the policy genius t- team is going to handle all the paperwork and red tape. Policy genius works for you, not the insurance companies. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they take care of it. And even they even have policies that allow eligible customers to skip the in-person medical exam and do it over the phone, which is absolutely awesome. If you have life insurance, you know how great that is. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius five-star ratings across over 1,600 reviews on Trust, Pilot, and Google. So if you need life insurance, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You can save $1,500 or more a year. By comparing quotes on their marketplace. Policy genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon. I was listening uh, in bed the other day. I like to listen to podcasts while I sleep. It's really difficult because some earbuds uh, are too big. Not these Raycon earbuds. These Raycon earbuds are absolutely tiny. Raycon, power on. They are absolutely tiny. Tiny and they fit in my ear pairing mode. They fit so perfect. Take a look at them. They fit so perfectly and flush that I can lay my head on the pillow and I don't even feel them. Their newest models, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best one yet with six hours of playtime. That should last you to the morning if you listen to a podcast. Seamless Bluetooth pairing and more bass and a more compact design and a noise isolating fit. Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet. Take a look. They went just right in my ear. No stem. They fly, you know, so you don't look arrogant. Raycon. The company is founded by Ray J. By the way, I think Ray J is Snoop's cousin. Um, Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, Mike Tyson, Rich the Kid. They're all obsessed with this product. Give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy, so you can make sure they're the right pair of earbuds for you for a limited time. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash birdcast. That's buyraycon.com slash birdcast for a special fifteen percent discount on Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Make sure to check it out now while the deal's running. Buyraycon.com slash birdcast. Raycon. Have Do you think- talked to have you talked to Joe? How's he doing in uh in in Austin? Oh, he loves it. Yeah. He's like through the fucking roof. He's the happiest. Mm-hmm. Segura jo- was just with him the other day and said his, his whole family seems like they're glowing. They're breathing, right? Everyone's kind of breathing, right? Yeah. I, okay, think, like- I think L.A. is tough right now. It just is not, I don't know. I, I try not to shit on it because I live here and I listen to Rogan and Rogan definitely is not a fan of L.A. Mm. Um, but, I, but I got two girls in high school, so they're, I'm not going anywhere you know? Yeah. Well, you're doing great.
1: I mean, you're, you've really, really, have, I mean, obviously we haven't spent a lot of time together. I mean, I know
0: my openers are your openers, right? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. uh, tells me one of my favorite stories is he tells me stories about you that make me giggle so hard awesome, because awesome. I can see you in them. Like yeah. he, he told me a story about being in a hotel with you one time and you had this shit, you were on like the 20th floor. Oh yeah. The third. And you were like, I get a shit so bad. And he went and got out and hit all the buttons. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, such, it's such a great... He, I get a real kick out of Jesus. Yeah.
1: One of, yeah, one of my favorite things... People are like, what's your favorite thing? To be honest, one of my favorite things is helping young comics.
0: think like one of my favorite... Really, you've yeah. been really big about that. Like yeah. the list yeah. guys you've taken on the road with you, Bobby Lee, Sandy... Um, who, who all have you taken with you on the road? Well, I took, uh,
1: uh, Ari Shafir came on the road with me a little, um, you know, and this is when no one would fucking touch Ari, dude. No one. He was yeah. just like, my mom loved him. I loved him. He was my brother. You know what I mean? And he was just so obscure and his stuff was so kind of weird. You know what I mean? Mm. That no one yeah. kind of, but I, I liked him and I took him out a couple of times. And then Renazizi, I took him out. John Capparillo, I took him out. I took out Bobby. I took out Simone. Uh, obviously, Sandy Danto, Jesus Trejo, Benji Aflalo. Um, yeah. You know, uh, right now, uh, Josh Martin. If you ever want someone really strong, dude, bring fucking Josh, dude. He kills. I love dude. Josh. I, he I, fucking I, kills, dude. Go take him out, dude. No, I, sure. I brought Josh with me. I brought Josh with me out on the road a couple times in uh, in Ohio. Yeah, he kills, and he could do twenty twenty five, and just fucking murders, and he's and – he, and he helps out so he's like my guy that that I'm with now so but I love for me I love watching their confidence grow you yeah. know what I mean because the OR and the store as you know is just one kind of element of stand up so you go outside in America and you learn that cadence and you bring it back your your confidence keeps getting better so I really like I mean I had guys you know Sam I opened for Kennison for many years you know for many years yeah and um and he took me under his wing, and, and so it's nice for me to pay it forward. I love helping younger guys, and not just stand-ups, also in production. You know, editors and shooters and all that shit, you know, graphics. You know, I love the whole thing, helping. I love helping. That's my thing. I think I got that from my mom, you know?
0: Yeah, your mom. Your mom's a, mom's a very interesting, interesting person who kind of is a little bit responsible for stand-up as we know it, I think, well, she orange. was
1: at she was at the right place at the right time in the right era, and and she got the right club. So it's kind of like you know Rogan with his podcast, like right time, right era, right thing, right. You know what I mean? And then Justin Bieber, the same thing. He's sitting on the porch, she's playing the thing, and they boom. So with my mom, she came in on the scene with my dad in 1972, and that's where Leno and Letterman and all these guys were coming off the Greyhound bus, and there was the store. And it was just this creative place. And then my mom got the store and then she became who she really was, which is a, a person that helps comics develop. And that was her, that was her thing. That was her, you know, that was her thing, you know, her thing was to help and develop. And, and that's the one thing at the store that will never, it'll never be, you know, I don't care who's in charge of the comics. I don't care who's booking it. There is no Mitzi Shore. And that's to me, the only, that's to me is the only sad part about the store is the fact that there's not that Mitzi Shore person there. And um, because she really, really, you know, she really developed these guys, you know, when they were just nothing. And she really pinpointed their specialty. You know, she had, uh, uh, you know, with, with uh, um, who was it? It was uh, uh, Gary Shanling, you know, "Wear, wear a sweater, you know, different things she would just, Da, 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 you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. So,
0: yeah, your mom, uh, Louie Anderson used to do Sunday nights in like, in like 2004, 2005 in the main room. And, uh, and I was crushing, I was having such good sets. Oh, wow. And, uh, and how long have you
1: been doing stand up?
0: 20, almost 22 years. Wow. Yeah. So you've, yeah. You've been doing it a long time. So what
1: about so where what clubs did you start out in Florida?
0: I didn't I never I did it once in Florida in Tallahassee. And then uh So
1: where you've been doing it twenty two years. Where'd you start? Uh New York. Oh sick.
0: Yeah, moved to New York when I was twenty five, started when I was twenty six, and uh and I was I was uh I started at the Boston Comedy Club on West Third and then uh and then got a deal like six months in, moved out to LA. And started working at the improv and and primarily doing the road. Like, I was on the road. And so... Oh, wow. So you're like a road guy. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely oh, say I wow. have more connection. And that's, I think, where I connected with, like, your... Because you were a road guy also before a lot of guys were doing the road. Yeah. You were doing Captain Brian's and yeah. and the Dayton Funny Bone and, like, those kind of clubs. And, and I knew that there weren't... A, like, Rogan wasn't a big road guy, I, I think, until he got kicked out of the store mm. like I don't think he was like a straight up doing the doing the Columbus Funny Bone kind of guy mm. but um but yeah I was I was an improv guy and then I came to the st- I w- I did the show with Louie Anderson and he was like Mitzi's gotta see you and I went into the OR there were maybe 14 people in there your mom was in the back and I did two minutes and uh, I went back to your mom and she just goes <laughs> you're funny you're not ready and I was well, I'm cool. like I felt like going, but I'm killing the other room. I wish you had seen the other set, and but I just said, "Well, thank you," and then uh, and then I bumped, and then I ran into Tommy. Tom, poor Tommy was like the fucking yeah. such a such a. He was like, "Yeah," and then and then all of a sudden I got on TV, and then was like, "What'd you get on TV?" Uh, I I was doing TV my whole career. Oh like wow. the, yeah, and then and then I had a show on Travel Channel for like nine years. Oh, and, wow. um, and how old are you? Forty-seven. Oh wow. yeah, and so I had a show on Travel Channel, and, and Steve Byrne, and 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 Brett Ernst, and Mike Young, and mm. and Runas Easy, and all them, and Ari were like, you need to work at the store. Mm. So I called Tommy, and Tommy told me I needed to park cars first. And I was like, I was like, I have a TV show, and he was like, yeah. doesn't matter, you got to park cars. And I was like, I was like, all right, I'm I'm gonna pass. And he was like, excuse me, right. I said, I guess I'll never work at the store, and hung up on him. And then he called me back. He goes, Who the hell are you? And I was wow. like, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I just I was like, I have a TV show, I'm touring. I was like, I always wanted to work at the store. That was like my 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 big white whale was to work at the store. Cause I was like, every that's what the problem I have with like when I talk to someone like you or Snoop Dogg is my interests, all the things I'm interested in, you have all that knowledge. They're experiences you've had in your life. Mm. Same with Snoop. I have a hard time being around him because Every I love hip hop just as much okay. as I love stand up. So all the things that fascinate me that I spend hours online just googling and watching videos on YouTube—they're all experiences that you had and and know like know about. Like like Kinnison was one of my biggest inspirations by far, without a fucking doubt. Your mom, the comedy store, uh, like yourself—you yeah. know—they're the, all things that I could literally—it's it's like you just want to like get I want to know everything and so I have Mm -hmm. a hard time compartmentalizing that and taking my time with it and going like you know tell me about Kinnison like you go I open for Kinnison I go I want I want to know everything I was like did he pay for flights did he did he make you sell his merch what was he like backstage what he did you let you drink before you went on stage did he say you should drink on stage did he have coke around him like all those things like I'm fucking fascinated by yeah
1: yeah all those things are true. You just said he made me do Coke. He made me drink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, no, I know. We could sit for hours. I mean, it's nice talking to you. I haven't never really talked to you a lot because it's always like we're running around. But I'd, yeah. love to, I'd love to just spend more time with you. You know, I'm very anytime someone does really well, I'm very happy for him. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I don't know you that well. Yeah, I, I've seen you around for a long time, but I'm really happy for you. I truly am. That, that you made it into a, a way you have an audience. And and every and remember this, look at Rodney Dangerfield. It happens for different people at different times. And I tell this to Jesus as well. I said, just put in the fucking work. And if you're talented, it'll fucking break through. So for you, you just get putting in the work, putting in the work and you didn't stop and you're talented. So eventually, boom, boom, boom. Even with me and my new movie, that just came out guest house. It's the same thing. You know, people are like, Oh my God, he's starring in a movie. It's funny. To, like, yeah, I just got another shot. You know what I mean? I just, I haven't stopped working. You know, I keep working and doing my thing. And then I, I got lucky. The director had seen me on Joe Rogan, you know, it was such I mean? a
0: great, it was such a great experience. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you received it, but that, and, and to be honest with you, the, I just saw the Joey Diaz episode where you mm-hmm. ate a ridiculous amount of edibles and. Both of those are such, you have a thing about honesty, mm. especially when it comes to emotion mm. that I, I don't, for whatever reason, for me, it's what it, it's what engages me in a podcast. Mm. So yeah. the director saw you on Rogan? Yeah, he saw me on
1: Rogan because he was putting the movie together and he said, because um, they offered me the, the police officer role, which was a smaller role, and I was like, all right, sounds cool. Just call me when we're shooting. And then I guess he'd seen my Rogan. and He's like, fuck that. Pauly Shore is a movie star. He should be starring in movies. Like he's done so many movies. Why isn't he doing movies? So Sam Macaroni, who is, that's a funny last name, Sam Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, he, he called me up. He goes, fuck that. He goes, you want to star in it? I'm like, well, let me really read the script and get into it. So then I read the script and it was just basically, it's a really funny premise. It's about a guy that won't leave the guest house. And you know, I'm sitting in the back of the guest house getting fucked up and, and I rewrote it and made it very, you know, I took the edge off it and just kind of, you know, polyized it and, and did what I did with it, which is why I think people really like it. It's a very simple movie. Polly in the biodome, Polly in the guest house, Polly in the army. It's it's just simple and um, and it's done really well and people like it. But um, my point that I'm trying to make is in life and all your listeners listening to this shit. Just keep going, you know, keep going. As long as it's coming from here, as long as your intention is not fame and money and you're not some, some weird alternative and you're actually doing, you, we do these podcasts because we love to do the fucking podcast. And, oh, I I and then, I oh, could,
0: oh could my God.
1: And then, oh my God, like, oh shit, we're going to make money too? Fuck, that's awesome. Like, okay. But your motivation isn't the cash.
0: No, not like, my, my I, motivation is not the cash at all. Right. It, it's getting an opportunity to talk to people that I respect and I think are hilarious. And then I look at their careers and I go, all right, how did they do that? Like how I want to mm-hmm. know the things that like, like, and, and, and not to, I'm being serious. I've been a fan of yours forever, but that Rogan episode was so vulnerable. And then mm-hmm. I go, that's a guy that has cut the bullshit out of his life. Do you go, are you in therapy?
1: No, but I have been in therapy. Yeah, I have been in therapy. I was, uh, involved with this, uh, this group therapy called MITT, which is called Masters in Transformational Training, which is kind of like letting go. And I've been involved with it for for many years. So I kind of take the tools that I've learned from that, you know what I mean, um, and to help to help me deal with, you know, myself. I mean, the stuff with my mom died, dude, that's still really hard for me, really hard for me because I'm not like you. I don't have a wife and kids. I don't have this love, you know, like I don't have this. Love, you know, you come home every night. You got your kids and your family. I see it, and it's awesome. Like my mom was that, yeah. And and she's not here anymore. And you know, she might be the she might be the uh, the queen of the comedy store, but I don't look at her that way. She was my mom, and I and I don't have her anymore. And it's really hard for me to this day, especially with the holidays coming up right now. I always get very, um, I get heavy. It gets it gets hard for me because. I spent so many so many years with her, um, you know, with Hanukkah and Christmas and Thanksgiving, and, and she's not around, and uh, you know, it's 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 hard because I was her baby, you know. I'm the youngest, and, and we were very very connected, and we had a long run. Me and my mom had a lot of years where we were together, laughing and 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 doing things, and I you know, and I took care of her her last years of her life. And that was really, really hard on me, Um, you know, really hard on me Um, because, you know, you come off the road, you come off the road and you go into this house that's like falling apart and she's in the other room and you can barely hear her and you go in and you kiss her and, and, you know, she can't really speak and it was fucking hard, dude, you know? So I'm still kind of like, that's part of the reason why I moved to Vegas is because I wanted to be happy again. Um, And LA reminded me of my past and I wanted to kind of be, I wanted to be like happy. Like I wanted to smile. I want to, I want to lose the sad, try to lose the sadness that happened when your parents die and, and, you know, when you're by yourself, you know? So it's, uh, it's hard, you know?
0: Yeah. How long has it been since your dad
1: passed? Um, He passed like a year ago, like last year. Yeah. And people are like, well, he was 92. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. He still died, you know? It's like, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Not it's, not saying? it's like, fuck, dude. You know what I mean? I can't go give him a hug and watch the fucking sports. Like, we can't watch the games and fuck around. My dad opened for me for years, for 20 I, years. I, I, remember, for I remember
0: being on the road and hearing yeah. you guys were touring together. Yeah, and it was just such a, it was so great to be able to
1: do that for him, you know?
0: What, is it, is it tough hearing everyone, every comic has a podcast and every comic has an experience with Mitzi and Mitzi, your mom meant so much to so many people. Is it tough hearing people share their stories of like, they'll say something you go, yeah, that's not her though. Or yeah, that was a part of her. Or do you get, is that, because it's like, my dad is my dad. Mm. but no one knows him. Mm. So I get to tell you whatever narrative I want to tell you about my dad. Mm. Let alone, do, I, do Does Rogan know my dad or Ari know my dad or, or Sebastian know my dad and they all have a relationship with them. Yeah. Well, they, I think, <laughs> I think
1: the reason why people love my mom so much, and these are the people that never met my mom is because they know that my mom was all about the comics and, and all about opening her heart and the door to comedians. And, yeah. you know, I call her the mother Teresa of comedy because she just cared more about the comics and the store than her real family. And, um, and that's why so many people respect her and respect the store. They walk around as if she's still there. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, <clears throat> and that's great. <clears throat> and that's how it always should be. Um, it's respect the store and respect my mom. And, um, and I think that's why people, you know, are so, um, you know, are so uh, uh, um, they like her. And then obviously, you know, the fact that she, you know, was the only person that really developed comedians. And and that was really truly who she was. I mean, my mom was very bohemian and she was very like she was an artist and she was, you know, like t- like a jazz artist, like that type of like do that, do like her instincts and her, you know, her instincts were mostly right, you know, and, and, and that was uh that was who she was, you know? Um, she was pretty know.
0: hands off with your stand-up though, right? Yeah. It was uh, with me. She just always
1: said, I wasn't, you're not ready. You know, it's just always, you're not ready. You're too dirty. You know, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Like my relationship with her, when it comes to fucking, when it comes to how she treated me was, was pretty difficult. I stayed away from the store for when I first started at 17, I stayed away from the store for uh, two years. I worked the factory. I went to New York city with Faison on love and I just stayed away. And then when I finally uh, auditioned for her, it was uh it was in the OR and there was a lot of comics were watching and, and, and she was next to Louie Anderson and Paul Mooney. And I end with pop locking. I end with this dance number. And then I go over to her and I'm like, how was I? She said, stick with the dancing. She says that to me. <laughs> so yeah. So it was pretty hard. I mean, she didn't really make me a paid regular until I like was drawing people at her club. Like till I was famous on MTV. <laughs> really? And like I'm like, mom, there's people here to see me. That long line is for me. And she kind of reluctantly made me a paid regular. Like she still didn't think I was ready. Do you think she was trying to protect you? I think she was just really being honest and saying, you're not ready. You know what I mean? I think she just was, you know, you're just not ready to be a, a regular at the store because my stand-up was okay. It was always, ah! you know, it's like doing different weird shit. You know, it wasn't really, uh, to me, like, my stand-up didn't get good until, until like, my career went in the shitter. Really? You know? Yeah, I think, like, I think that um, once I lost my sitcom on Fox and my movies and I got rid of my agent's and manager and I was, like, by myself, that's when I felt like I became more relatable, re- relatable of a stand-up. You know what I mean? And I think since then, I've been a pretty good, I'm a pretty good, I'm not great, but I think I'm a pretty good stand up, you know, just more.
0: When I was in Russia, obviously, like a big part of my life was that story in Russia. But we were sitting in a, uh, in in a, in a thing with a bunch of Russian gangsters. Oh, wow. At at a bar. And we were trying to explain comedy to them. And this guy, John Bolshoi, John is his name, but big John, uh, quoted one of your jokes and translated it into russian for them and it was i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin it but it was it made me spit beer out of my nose it was something about uh 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 all the old people say i had to walk two miles oh
1: yeah 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 that was uh fuck i forgot that but i know that joke goes off my actually my first album the future of america was nick Schwartz's favorite comedy album yeah yeah. It was, yeah it, was, it was different. It was very, my stuff was very unique and very different, you know, but that's why I, I don't say I was a great comic. I was a, I was a pretty good comic, but I think I became a better comic when I was by myself. You know what I mean? When it was like yeah. that, I just came more, I, cause you have to understand my career slowed down at 30, 30 years old. Yeah. After, you know that, cause all my run was 10 years and all my twenties. So that's where all the movies were. They landed you know, they landed in, um, in my twenties. So in 30, it was like, I was kind of by myself. And that's when it was like the rock, I was like Rocky. I was like, all right, I'm by myself. Now let's really start working the craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and get better. Um, and that's why I think to this day, like, I don't have a Netflix special, dude. I don't have any standup. I'm like Bobby Lee. Like I don't have a standup special. People sell out to come see me because of my films, you know? And because the last time they saw me, like, oh fuck, he's actually a really funny stand-up. He does stand-up because most people don't even know I do stand-up.
0: You know, oh, that's because so that- funny. I, that's funny. That's I mean, I know you more as this. I know you. I know you did films. I know you from MTV. Obviously, that's where I got to know you as a kid. But I, but I know you more as a stand-up now than mm-hmm. I do anything else. Yeah. So. I want to talk to you. I'll let you go. We're, we've we're coming up on an hour, and I don't want to take all your time because so I literally could talk to you forever. Um, yeah. I want to talk about what it was like, what fame was like when you were on MTV because that was the height of MTV. That was the I, I think you defined that era of MTV. Yeah, um, I
1: felt like the cool kid at school. You know, I felt like you know if you were if you, if you were on TV and you're holding a microphone and there was an MTV cube on it, you were immediately knighted the cool kid. (laughs) So I, I just felt like I was just cool. I got to fucking interview the bands that I worshiped, you know, Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue or Pearl Jam or Van Halen, you know, like, Oh, there's Polly. You know what I mean? And I grew up you know, on the Sunset Strip. So I, as a kid, I, I saw these bands growing up. <clears throat> I saw The Clash. Um, uh, I saw The English Beat open for The Clash in 1982 at the Hollywood Palladium. The Clash was my favorite band ever. And so I was, even though I grew up at the comedy store, I was really more interested in music. You tell me that you're more interested in rap. That's awesome. Like music to me was everything. You know, yeah. as a kid growing up on the Sunset Strip, I mean, think about it. The Whiskey, the Rainbow. I mean, you I, know, can't, the, the, I can't the, imagine. Dude, the fucking Forum. I went to the Forum to fucking see, like, John Cougar Camp, like, back in the 80s and shit. You know? Cheap Trick was my favorite favorite band ever. I actually op- I wound up opening for them. But, but you say your question is about MTV. It was just... I honestly felt like I just like Willy Wonka, like I got the golden ticket and, 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 you know, and it was MTV was live back then so that you could say and do what you want. Like, oops, he said something, fuck it, you know? And, and obviously there was girls and, and there was, you know, spring break, you know, if you remember, yes, if you remember, MTV was where all the kids watched, period. They didn't watch yes. this one, that one. They all focused, Right, what the fuck is on MTV? This is before TRL, right? <laughs> this was just like fucking Yo! MTV Raps, Pauly Shore, uh, Half Hour Comedy Hours. Remember that shit? Dude. That was fucking dope, dude. Yeah. And then you got, a, a you know, Remote Control with Sandler and fucking Ken Ober and, and Colin Quinn and all these guys. And it was just like, it was like we were all in fucking college. That was my college. So it was like, you know, you do these shows and it was live and it was um, spring break was it was a two week period in, in, in Daytona. And it was just like, you know, if you got to go to spring break, you were the fucking man, dude. Uh, my first spring break was fucked up, though. Um, I wound up sharing a room with Christian Slater and no one knew who me and Christian Slater were. And, you know, who's getting on the pussy. Corey Feldman. Me and Christian were like looking out the window. Go, why the fuck is that guy getting all the babes? This is bullshit. Like that's not cool, dude. And and he had his Michael Jackson glove on and his glasses. And, this is his dream, a little dream period. <laughs> yeah, this was that that period. And then you had like uh, Amanda Peterson was there and fucking the dude from like I don't know, dude. What's his name? Brian Robbins from fucking uh, that that movie when he was playing in the class with Elizabeth. What was her name? Elizabeth. Uh, Berkeley. Remember?
0: I do remember Elizabeth Berkeley.
1: But she, they were on that sitcom together. I forgot it. When they were all in school schoolgirl outfits. out of the class. out of, of the class. Yeah. So yeah so you know you're down there with fine young cannibals and fucking she drives me crazy and and you know the Black Crows and Lenny Kravitz and it was just fucking like it was that's how I thought the world was going to be forever whether I was old or young. You know what I mean? It's like oh this is the world. Awesome. Like this is MTV's gonna be here forever, you know. This is spring break.
0: And, you know, yeah, it was pretty sick, dude. I you mean, know? those were we'd we'd go to spring break and turn on MTV Spring Break in the hotel we were in. At watching, spring break. At yeah. spring break. I remember one time we all chose to go to Aspen and go skiing. And and Yeah. You're like, <laughs> we watched MTV Spring Break in the the place in Aspen going, we what? picked the wrong fucking place. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, we definitely made
1: it. You know, we made it. We made it to be like the coolest place in the world. It's where all the eyeballs went. There's hundreds of thousands of kids. And um, that's where I met Donald Trump for the first time, actually, was down there. Yeah. Really? He used to, well, he used to go down there because there was a guy named Ron Rice. Ron Rice used to run Hawaiian Tropics. Oh, Mem- I, Mem- how do I know about this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because cause Hawaiian Tropic Oil, you know the oil? It was the it was the biggest, coolest, you know, oil back then. <clears throat> and Ron Rice was kind of like the Hugh Hefner of Florida. So he had he'd have these bikini contests, the Hawaiian Tropic bikini contest, and then there would be judges there. So like you'd have, you know, Benny Hill would be a judge. You know, fucking, yeah, Benny Hill, remember Benny Ooh. Hill?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Benny Hill would be a fucking judge, dude. And then you'd have like Fabio, a judge. And then like Donald Trump would be a judge. You know what I mean? And then, and then after, you know, at night, you know, Ron Rice would have parties and there would be like Lorenzo Lamas and Vince Neal and John Lovitz and all these guys would be there and there would be Donald Trump grabbing vaginas, just having fun, you know? And, uh, That, that's how, you know, that's how it was back then. It was, it was, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I painted a pretty good picture for you. Fuck yes. Yeah, dude. It was awesome. We had a good time and it was all fun. It wasn't anything crazy, crazy. It was not a lot of drugs. It was mostly like drinking, having a good time and
0: being wild. You know what I mean? I mean, that was every guy's we, when I graduated college, we went down to, uh, to Mexico to do a thing for an internet company. And one of the things we did at the end of the night was we'd take this the film crew and we'd switch out we'd switch out the little block and we had an M T V block and we'd put it on the microphone. Oh wow. And we would just go into a club and pretend to be Oh, that's TV. awesome. And it was, I mean, you'd just go like, We're here live. I, I don't know if I can get someone to make out with me. And then girls right. would just come start making out with you and you'd be like, This is the greatest night of my life. Right, right. We did that. I I can't imagine if it was real. Like Yeah. It was real. God, man, what a fucking, what a cra- what a crazy, just isolated experience that must have been. Let alone, was there? I'll, I'll let you go soon. But was there ever a time when it was happening? When you were from 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 when you started selling tickets to, to the store to to the MTV to to the movies? Was it? Was there a time where you were like, and because I deal with this sometimes, where you go, I. I feel like I don't deserve it. Like, I feel like I'm going to be found out as a phony that I'm not that funny that like, and, and I was talking to Burr about this the other day because there's a fine line between being the guy who gets some success and then is like, yeah, I told you guys suck my dick. I'm number one to being the guy that's like humble versus being the guy who's like, like, you're like, yo man, own your success. Yeah. The only time I was
1: like, fuck you. I'm the man. da, 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 was when I did my HBO special that was produced by MTV and I was the fucking man, dude. It was called Polly Does Dallas and it was like my my height of my shit and Joel Gallen fucking directed it. It was the first thing he's... It, dude, I am giving his first job. For okay. real? Yes, for real. And, uh, and and I was on stage and I, I don't want to tell the whole joke but basically I was talking about being cold cocked as a kid when I was in high school. I got punched in the face and it was by this kid named Chad. And his name was Chad Nellis. Because I was like fucking with his girlfriend or something, but not like having sex with her. It wasn't like that. It was high school. I was just like talking to her. He was like the quarterback. And then I was like, fuck you, Chad. Da-da-da-da-da. And then the whole audience went fucking crazy. So it's basically that was the only time that I felt like I was like doing that, but that was to the bully in school that punched me. But other than that, I was just having fun. I wasn't thinking about. Oh, they're gonna find out I'm this or I'm that. I yeah. was just on this this kind of cloud where we're just working, doing, having fun, and there wasn't that, it was just fun, smiles,
0: you know. Yeah, That's, it's I mean, I want to do this again. I'm gonna let you go. We've done about an hour. I want to talk to you real quick about your new movie, though. I mean, I feel like I feel like I saw the trailer for it. I feel like everyone's in it. Yeah. Like you yeah, have a great cast.
1: It's you know what? I saw the movie about three weeks ago it came out like a month ago and i really like it and i think it's really funny and i think it's a good movie and i think the director sam macaroni did a great job we got a billy eilish song in there we got great music rick james it's like a studio film it's Lionsgate.
0: yeah oh you got billy zane you got you got you got your legit legit bobby lee yeah, you got, you
1: know, Eric Griffin is fucking fantastic in it. He's the one that really? played the cop, you know, in it. He's
0: great in everything, man. Yeah. He's so fucking funny.
1: Yeah, so I'm just really happy happy with the movie. I was happy that I got a shot to star in a movie and it's done really well. The studio is very happy. So hopefully because of Joe, I want to thank Joe for putting me
0: well, hey, know, listen, for putting We've all got to thank Joe. And if you're going to yeah. thank Joe, you got to thank your mom because without yeah. your mom, there's no Joe. I mean, your yeah, mommy. he, he credits so much to your fucking mom. I mean, he's got a yeah. picture of her in, in this in the studio.
1: Yes, yes. No, it's um. Uh, so so yeah, I want to thank thank Joe for you know putting me on his podcast and um and Sam seeing it and going. Paulie's a movie star. He should be starring in movies and and this is where he needs to be. That's if you ask me, what I like better, stand up or movies? I have to say movies. Yeah. If I had to choose, I really love acting. I mean, I love it more than anything and I love being on the set and I love, you know, working, you know, uh, acting with other actors. I just love it. And um, so hopefully there'll be more, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's what I said on Joe. I said, you know what? I just miss acting, you know, and, and, you know, I'll do my own sketches and I create my own stuff, but there's nothing like, like stepping on a movie set and being the star of the movie and supporting everyone and everyone knows you're the star and helping everyone and say, Hey, let's, we're a circus. Let's all make this awesome for each other. And, uh, you know, so we'll see, you know, but I'm happy with it. It's called guest house. It's out now. Like you said, Bobby Lee's in it. You got Steve-O, Billy Zane. Um, and it's a, it's a hard R it's a hard R rated comedy. So ah. it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, a you know, and it's everywhere. It's on Apple. It's, it's all over. So.
0: Well, I'll check it out with my daughters tonight. We're no, going- no,
1: no. It's too dirty for them.
0: Oh yeah, don't worry. I think we're I think we're passing. They watch my special. Watch oh really? Okay. <laughs> how, how old are your daughters? Sixteen and fourteen.
1: Okay, so yeah, so it's right on the cusp. Right
0: on the cusp. I think, but there I'm like
1: doing I'm like doing blow in it and shit. You know what I mean? And like you know all that stuff. So
0: their dad's me. I think they're fine. Okay. Okay. Good.
1: <laughs> but I love I'd love to come see your house if I'm out in L.A. sometime and you know I give you we're give building
0: a, a new. We're building a new podcast studio. I'd love to have you in there, do a podcast, hang out, get more in depth. I, I mean, like I said, man, you, you've you experienced things in your life that I witnessed, mm. like I've watched. I've been yeah. a fan since I was probably, I think we're roughly the same age, but I've been a fan since you, your whole career. So
1: thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, I, and again, once again, I'm very proud of you. You know, again, I don't know you know you that well. Um, we've kind of just seen each other. And, and thanks for bringing Jesus out you know and 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 you know paying it forward because that's really what this is about you know is helping out the new guys and giving them a shot too but i'm every time i see you on netflix and and you know i'm like fuck awesome like he's doing it like so way to go bro thank you paulie thank you yeah, very much yeah, man. Okay. I
0: appreciate you doing this yeah and i'll and, see you uh, next time yeah i'll see you next time thank you paulie okay peace out bye peace.